here they are there now again. From Lulio in the North, maybe even further north. I haven't found you yet, but you might be there. But from Lulio in the North, all the way down to Malmöen, Trelleborg, and the lads looking out over the Öresund towards Denmark. Welcome back. Welcome once again. Welcome, if you're here for the first time, to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. I'm sitting in my little studio in Stockholm uh, recording this. By the time you hear it, I'm going to be on the other side of the Atlantic. So it's been a mad few weeks altogether. Um, Everybody coming back from their holidays. And then, you know, July, you are very quiet, very quiet. Not much response to things. And then the end of August, the middle of, oh, jeez, all went mad altogether. And uh, looking back now over last week's episode when I took myself off up the road to Yavla where uh, LPI, the Irish company, had opened their new office up there. And uh, big week for all, big week for the Irish community. And by God, are they mad for the LinkedIn up there in Yavla. There was loads of boys and girls starting to follow me on LinkedIn. So it's uh, it's amazing where people hang out uh, in terms of social media. So you'll have all the young people on TikTok and you'll have you know more people on Facebook. But LinkedIn seemed to take off. There seemed to be huge interest. Uh, from the folks that I met up there and that's the thing it was a sort of a more professional related or business related podcast and that's where you're finding people so I'm delighted to get you all on board if that was the first or maybe the second podcast that you listened to uh, you're more than welcome along I hope you'll keep listening now I hope you're not you're not only here to hear Paddy talking about business I hope that you're going to be interested in all the other things that we cover on this podcast but of course if you want to hear about Irish businesses and Irish people and Irish companies working over here we Jesus we'd be only too happy to give that to you because this is as you well know by now if you've been listening for a while as a listener supported podcast it's a community podcast it's here for you it's supported by you so if you can throw a few bob to patreon.com forward slash Arrow Man in Stockholm, or you can, you can switch a few quid to one two three two four two four one six six. That's one two three two four two four one six six. That'd be brilliant because the only people keeping the lights on are our good selves, and it takes a little bit. I have to say, lads, I went mad spending money over the last while. Right, so I mentioned that um, to sort of spread the word about the podcast a little bit. I sponsored the lunches at uh, the Gaelic football tournament, and it ended up costing me probably twice as much as I thought it would. Now it's great; everybody enjoyed the lunch, and a few people started listening to the podcast over so what's not to like <laughs> but it's getting to the stage where you think jesus you know i'm actually paying this much to do the podcast at this so if you can support it please do it's not the idea is not that you know i'm gonna make a million euro an episode out there it's not fucking joe rogan lads you know but it would be great if we could get a few more people um involved in the podcast now there's a lot of things in the pipeline i'm looking into the pipeline there it's fairly full right but there's always room for more right there's this like i'm just looking for people to talk to so if you do think that you have a story to tell uh please get in touch get in touch on linkedin get in touch via instagram via stories and that kind of thing because you know it's from your feedback uh, I know I was joking about LinkedIn and things happening there, but it's from your feedback that I sort of learned what it is that you want to listen to, right? And it's often when I meet you in person that people tell me, yeah, no, I really enjoyed that one. Um, for instance, the interview with Mark O'Sullivan, nobody really said that and, uh, when I talked to Mark about making music and coaching football and that kind of thing. Nobody sort of said that to me, you know, on social media or anything else like that. But then when I met you out and about at soccer tournaments or at football games or at the Gaelic football in Scarborough, then everybody's going, yeah, Jason, that was fascinating altogether, you know, what Mark had to say about coaching kids and like i say this is this is for you so i'd be more than happy to talk to more people about these kinds of things but you have to you kind of have to let me know you know so uh, if you have the opportunity just drop me a line there say yeah i really love that yeah no i'd prefer to hear more about this what about this and the other thing is that we have uh, various different events coming
coming up around the place and I always get sort of blindsided by some things because you just don't hear about it, you know. And I suppose I'm as guilty as anybody else, you know. You kind of sit here um, expecting in a way to be told of everything that's going on. Every gig that's happening, every album that's being released, every footballer who's getting signed or playing in a certain division or somebody who's going and climbing a mountain somewhere, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, the more you share with me, the more I can share it with everybody else. And uh, judging by, you know, we're almost a year into the podcast now and it seems to be going fairly well, there's plenty of other people want to hear it. As I say, at the time of listening, you're I'm going, probably going to be on the other side of the Atlantic. If you're listening now, as Kevin Carroll tends to do at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning, uh, I will definitely be on the other side of the Atlantic and I'll be back soon enough. But I had a little interview that I did and I've been keeping that back for a little while just because I knew this was going to happen, lads. And I wouldn't see you without the podcast, right? I wouldn't have you getting up on a Monday morning going, ah, where's your man gone? There's nothing here on me Spotify. There's nothing here on me uh, Pocket Casts or, or Acast or whatever it is you're listening via. Uh, so I said I'd tee this one up for you, and it's a bit of a timeless one, but it also has to do with the Gothenburg Book Fair, right? Now, for those of you who don't know, it's the biggest thing in the publishing industry in Sweden, right? Everybody gets together. I've been at it once uh, during the pandemic, which was fucking brilliant, lads. Thanks for that. Invite me down to talk about a book, and there was no, <laughs> nobody in the room, nothing else going on, you know? But, you know, it was a, an honour to be invited every guys like that. I'd love to be down there where there's a load of people down there and see what was going on, you know? But it's on, on Thursday, from Thursday the 22nd of September to Sunday the 25th of September. And my guest this week is going to be appearing at it, no less. Now, I think it has, as far as I know, she's going to be doing events with the English Bookshop in Gothenburg, which is, they're only opening their shop there. And I'd hope to get the dates and the times everything else to be able to sort of publicize that for them but they're still in the process as we speak of fitting out the shop and getting all those things so don't be hassling them either right um my guest this week is marion keys an Irish novelist who sort of burst onto the scene many years ago and has been writing books, uh, some of them very funny, some of them very poignant, uh, some of them with an awful lot to say about Ireland and Irish people and the way we are and the culture that we have and the culture that we've sprung from. Uh, so she's going to be speaking at the book fair, but she's also going to be doing something, hopefully, in conjunction with the new English bookshop down there in Gothenburg. Keep an eye on the socials, right? I'll try to put it out there. As soon as I hear when or where that's going to be, I'll put it out there. But Marion is going to be down there taking part in the, the book fair. She would love to meet you. I might try to get down there myself if at all possible I'll try to nip over and uh, and get down there so that I can meet you and meet Marion as well because she's one of my favourite people in the whole world right Marion is just the nicest the most genuine the most honest the most grounded person you'll come across not to mention one of the most fantastically talented writers who has an eye and an ear for detail in in our daily lives that she can just sort of snap up and and put it out and put it into a context and sort of you know give it back to us you know and it's just, it's a fantastic talent. It's an incredible talent to have. And not only that, but she sold hundreds and thousands and millions of books all over the world. So she's extremely popular too. But she's also tremendously down to earth. And I have to give a little bit of credit uh, to her husband, Tony, as well. Right, So Tony works with her. Uh, he's the one who sort of does the organising and makes sure that Marion turns up in a certain place at a certain time and he travels with her and that kind of thing. And they actually pass through Sweden here during the summer. They'll tell you all about that journey when, uh, or Marion will tell you all about that journey when uh, when we when you hear the interview, right? But they came over here and Tony was with her and they had a fantastic time over here and he looks after all those things. But that's the first time that I've ever had a chance to talk to him as well, you know? So we'd have a good bit of contact with Marion and a little bit of contact with Tony, but it's the first time we sat down in person and had a chat. And a fascinating man who's sort of given his wife over to, to you know to managing or to helping his wife with her career and supporting her in that because 
the interesting thing is that when you work, uh, you know, doing what I do, when you work in, in journalism or in writing and some people in music and the creative, it can be very, very lonely, right? Not that fucking every job can be lonely, right? But when you're wandering around the place and Marion would be one of those people now who they'll bring her over to Sweden or they'll bring her to Paris or they'll bring her to New York and they'll sit her down in a room for like six hours and troops of people like me, troops of journalists will come in and they'll ask a lot of them will ask the same questions over and over again. What's your new book about? Where did you get the idea from? What are you trying to say? And there's only so many times to, there's only so many ways that you can answer those questions without being driven up that poxy wall altogether, right? So um, Tony is kind of, you know, her, her uh, ball plank, as they say in Swedish. She's a man that she bounces ideas off. But also, you know, there's sort of a safety valve there that she can go absolutely bananas on occasion when things aren't really going uh, her way, you know. So, But he's a fantastic sort of uh, supporter her and a fantastic guy in his own right as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to having another opportunity to speak in, to him in person uh, very soon, yeah. But that can be a sort of a little bit of a lonely existence. I don't know. I think recently, actually, after we did the interview, but before it was published, I think Marion had to go away and do a trip on her own somewhere. And um, yeah, she didn't really enjoy that as much as she normally does, you know. But she's great crack. And uh, as if you don't know her backstory, um, she lived in London. She grew up in Ireland and then lived in London for a long time. Gave up the drink many years ago. Uh, and talks about that very honestly. If you go on to the SVT player here in Sweden, you'll see her talking to uh, Skavlan on this talk show, kind of like the Late Late Show, except a much shitter version of it. Uh, and she talks she talks about these things. She's been on it a couple of times. She talks about this and she talks about writing and that kind of thing. But she's just she's so honest and blunt at times. And that that applies not just to about Ireland and Irish people and the things that work and the things that don't work, but also about herself. And she doesn't hide behind things. I've never once asked Marion a question. Certain people would say before you interview them, but like, I'd prefer if you didn't ask me about that or I'd rather not talk about that, you know. Marion's not one of those people, you know. She is literally, and pardon the pun, an open book and she'll sit down and talk to you about anything. So we did. So your Irish and Sweden podcast this week, I decided that the, the best opening gambit, I always wanted to talk to Marion Keys and ask her why Sweden loved her so much. So here she is and here's what she has to say about it. straight into it. Marion yeah. Keys, uh, when I asked you to do this podcast, I said really they only wanted to ask you one question, and that's why does Sweden love you so much, do you think? Jesus, Philip, I mean, it's a really hard question to answer because I, I can kind of only go on what people tell me. Um, first of all, I love Sweden uh, uh, hugely as well. Um, I've asked people, and they've said it's the warmth of my novels. You know, I write a lot about big, messy families. And I mean, I think everybody, everybody enjoys a kind of a dysfunctional family. Um, but it's the warmth and the humour. That, that They're the words that I keep being told. Um, but it's funny, kind of the demographic has changed over the years. Okay. Because, yeah, Sweden was the first non-English country to publish me. Like, and you've no idea how, how incredibly strange this was for me because, like, I barely, you know, I lived in London for a long time, but I'd seen nothing of the world mm. and I knew very little about anywhere. And I couldn't understand what it was that Sweden liked about me. Um, but over the years, younger women started coming to my signings. And I think as well as the messy dysfunctional families, like I write a lot about issues that 
kind of weren't really uh, I suppose part of discourse at the time like you know like like the way rape was always written about as something that happens down a dark alley and is done by mm. a stranger you know when I started writing about rape um, in one of my novels, it was about a woman who was wa- raped by her ex-boyfriend and nobody believed her because everyone said, but you've already had sex with them. How could he rape you? Yeah. So, you know, and I wrote a, a, an addiction, I suppose, as well. Mm. Um, yeah, actually, somebody told me um, recently that the way I kind of normalized addiction, mm. uh, Swedes found it helpful. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not something that anyone ever really wanted to to have or to have it in their family. And people kind of mm. tried to other it. Yeah. There's a great sense of shame sort of attached to it in Sweden. And that's not something that you put across. Because when and even when I've seen you speak about it on TV here in Sweden, you're very open with it. There's no look at it's not it's not a flaw, it's not a fault. It's not like it's just something that happened. It's something that happened to you, you know? And I think that kind of became a sort of a very refreshing thing. But hold the thought that you had there. I want just want you to back up to something you said earlier on that Sweden uh, was one that was the first place outside of the English-speaking world that wanted to adopt Marian Keys and to translate your work into Swedish, right? The first time they said that to you, right, did you go, what's this, cuckoo clocks and chocolate? Or did you have any idea what that would mean for you and for your career? No, I mean, in Ireland, we just had the cliches about Sweden, like ABBA, mm-hmm. um, tall blonde people, Lots of saunas, more. being very sort of pragmatic and relaxed about sex. Mm-hmm. Um high suicide rate um you know and all of i mean so much of that was wrong um you know um and that was kind of all i knew yeah i mean this was back in 1997 and you know i'd been writing a couple of years i'd been sober a couple of years i had seen very very little i've never i had never been north you know, any holidays I'd had were to Greece. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had no idea what Sweden was really like. And how did they make that decision? That would it be that you know the English language version is after selling a good few copies, lads? We better get this into Sweden. Is that the the sort of the nuts and bolts of it? Kind yeah? of. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of big book fairs every day, every year, and one of them is in Frankfurt. And yeah, um, because my books had suddenly started selling a lot in the UK. There will always be agents who will go to foreign publishers and say, well, look, at you know, this one has done well. Mm. Do you think it might work in your market or your country? And like a lot of people will just go, no, you know, like good luck to you and everything. That's pretty much all they say to me, Marion. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, but like loads. I mean, it's so funny because it's so odd. Like Italy will have nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? I never liked them anyway. Well, it's just... I think as outsiders, I mean, it's different for you because you live in Sweden, but we have no real idea of the internal emotional landscape of, of a nation. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so but Sweden went, yeah, lovely, thanks. Mm. We'll have her. 
and, and they kept coming back for you as well. It wasn't just one hit yeah. wonder. You know, like I always used to say, there's a young fella called George Murphy from Duddy Carney and he used to sing like Luke Kelly. He was on that Eurostar, you I know. know. Yes, Lo- yes, lovely yes, lad, yes. lovely lad. But yeah. he was in this period one, at one point of his career where he wanted to kind of be a pop star and sing pop songs on top of the pop star. And they've gone, no, we just want to hear you sing Raglan Road. And it took a long time for him. So, But they didn't never did that with you. Every time you write a, a new book here, should they're battering each other to get it off the shelves here in Academy <laughs> Book Handling. So they really have sort of grown to love you, you know. Uh, did that surprise you? Like, did, did your success yes. in Swedish surprise you? Yes, yes. Because, I mean... Growing up in Ireland, I just thought every other country was better than Ireland. I mean, I just thought Ireland was was such, you know, a shithole, you know, and everything we did was so crap. You know, our TV shows and our bands and everything. And I was just astonished that that this exotic country of tall, blonde, gorgeous people, what do they want with me? Hmm. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I feel so lucky that, you know, I mean. I've gone through arcs with other countries and that they've bought my books for a while and then they've stopped. But Sweden has has kept publishing me, which, you know, I'm so grateful. It would sort of break my heart. I mean, the day will come when they kind of go, that's enough now, good girl, you know. Uh, uh, But I will still love Sweden, even if Sweden still doesn't love me. Uh, do you keep that in mind when you're writing now? Because you know the way sometimes when you do something that works, you know, if I write a column for somebody or if I make an episode of this podcast and everybody listens to it, and they're all going, Jesus, you're the great fella altogether. And then you sit down and go, oh, bollocks, I better try to repeat that now or something. Yeah. Is that? Do you find yourself going, I wonder will the Swedes like this when you're sitting tapping away on your keyboard or banging your head off it as the case may be? Yeah, banging my head off it. I mean, I do. It's a very bad idea to listen to praise, I think. Because, well, to listen to anything, because I think you have to write whatever you honestly need or want to write. Because if you start tailoring your work for an imaginary audience, it corrupts it. Mm. It, 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 it starts to feel oh, ersatz in some way. So, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, I've always said that I write my books for myself. Mm. And anytime I've tried not to, it has been... it. I have felt kind of uncomfortable about it and it doesn't work, Mm. you know. So I've kind of thought they liked me when I thought I was only writing for Ireland. Yeah. Um, So if I just keep doing that. Mm. Tommy Tiernan. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Now, Tommy Tiernan once said that as well. Like I was saying to him, is it difficult to perform in English abroad? You know, do you try to change your accent? He goes, no. So if I went to see like a blues musician from the, you know, the the Delta in America, you know, why would I change? That's what people, that's why they became interested in me in the first place, you know? So you wouldn't be tempted to sort of, you know, to to move something to Stockholm or or that kind of thing, no? No, although I read that there's a Swedish author that I absolutely love called Simona Arnstedt's. And I, God, I love her books so much. But if she started setting them in Dublin, I wouldn't be delighted in the slightest. No, no. I want, I want the Swedishness. Um, that that is important to me. So maybe the Irishness is what is part of what Swedish readers like about what I do. I think it's a little bit as well that they can they can sort of take out with what they want, right? But they can also hold it at arm's length a little bit and go, that's the way the Irish are. That's Marion's take on the Irish. I, so so it doesn't have to yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be everything about them as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean I've written like I've got more political uh, I mean, I was quite feminist in maybe 
my writing 10 years ago, but I've become more political now. Mm. And, you know, in my book, Grown Ups, it was very much kind of challenging Ireland and our attitude to refugees. Mm. Um, and I mean, Sweden has a much more healthy approach mm. to to refugees than Ireland does. And, you know, it would be fine for them to read it and say, OK, that that's not us. No. Um, you know, that they could feel OK about that part of their country. When you sit down, I was watching them. Um, I came home for the women's Euros in England, right? And my eldest daughter has been on to me to watch Stranger Things for ages, right? Have you seen it? I know you're mad for the I telly. haven't. I haven't. I watched the first episode and it just wasn't for me. My nephews, 12 and 14, are begging me to. Mad for but, it. Yeah. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. But just from a writing point of view, right, it struck me as being, because I know you like the mechanics of this as well, and but I'm trying to lift the bonnet with you now and get Marion Keys to poke around the engine a little bit, right? There's so many different themes and there's so many different characters and every one of them has an arc, right? Now, I know from experience that some of them are done flying by the seat of your pants, but some of them are also done deliberately because of the story that you've decided you want to tell. So when we're talking there about uh, grown-ups and you being more political, maybe consciously or subconsciously, but that was where it went. How much of that do you think about when you sit down to write? Do you sit down and go, I want to hold up to a, a mirror to Ireland about refugees? Or do you just start and then that just comes out? The characters tell you who they are then? Yeah, I mean, I like I write about characters. I write about human beings and, you know, our, our relationships. Like first and foremost, that is what I do. I don't start with an issue, but I always set my books in contemporary Ireland. Mm. Um, and I think it's it, it would be impossible for me to write a novel about people now without referencing what's going on. Mm. Like um, in Grown Ups as well, like one of the characters rails against Airbnb because mm. how it has completely fucked like housing for local people. It's one of the one of the things that has made it so much more difficult, you know, and when I get the opportunity you know, to include that as, I mean, it, it becomes an argument between her and her husband. Mm. And I mean, they could have argued about anything, but it was, I enjoyed the fact that it was something that was relevant and that I cared about. And that I also thought might make people think twice and go, oh, I see Airbnb isn't the marvel, you mm. know, that has made the world available um, on a much cheaper basis to travel, that it actually is impacting mm. everybody's country. Um, so yeah, I will use the opportunity, but any issues that I write about, they have to serve the story. I don't want to be writing polemic because I lose readers and I don't want to do that. I think doing issues by stealth mm. is the way, is the way to do it in popular fiction. Mm. Um, it's a very, it's an effective way of kind of turning or, or maybe not kind of opening people's eyes, but kind of planting an idea. Mm. Um, and like with the break, I wrote that before we had the referendum here in Ireland on uh, repealing the eighth. And I, I don't know if you remember that time, Philip, but it was it was horrific. And we had no idea what way the vote was going to go. And so I decided, I mean, the, the break is about a marriage where they take six months off from each other. A crisis need to, needed to happen. And I decided the crisis would be a 17-year-old girl gets pregnant, doesn't want to have it, has to go to the UK. Mm. And I thought, if I just write about how absolutely horrible it is for 
for any person, any woman to do that, mm. then maybe people will will reconsider. Um, and as it happened, I mean, Ireland had changed so much anyway. You know, that the, the vote was won by a landslide. But like people said to me, you're going to lose readers. And I, and I really didn't care. Yeah. It was, I mean, I suppose that issue in particular was so important to me that I was quite prepared to 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 take my chances. But once again, it had to serve the story rather than be the story. Yeah. Um, did you find actually that you did lose readers because of that? Because sometimes you'll find that you meet a whole lot of readers that you never realized were fucking there. And they go, Marion, thanks very much for writing that. That was me. I was that young one. Yeah, part, I mean, I mean, like, there were some gas things, like on social media, somebody burnt some of my books. Um, yeah, she showed Jeez, it you're on. She's a star on, now, Keys. I know, I know. <laughs> and I mean, book burners are always on the right side of history, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that was kind of gas, you know. Um, so there was a little bit of that. But I don't know if I gained readers, mm. but I felt... I mean, I felt very grateful to have the platform I I had. And I just felt, felt very proud of myself because I was bricking it. Mm. You know, like, you know, my mother, who was completely opposed to abortion, was promising me that, like, they'd be arriving with their placards outside Eason's. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, when you've been brought up and kind of imbued with fear, like, it took a lot to kind of stick my head above the parapet and and say, you know, this is... This is what I believe in. In fact, even before, um, you know, about 10 days before the vote, there was um, a Writers for Repeal photo call uh, in, in Merrion Square. <laughs> and for me, like I, I was nearly going around with the clipboard writing down who wasn't there. I was like, <laughs> oh, these cute whores sitting on the fence waiting to see which way the wind blows yes they're you know? on the list now lads oh yes <laughs> I, yeah your card is marked and I'm, I'm awful their card is marked yeah i've never for, there's some people i have never forgiven who kept their club shut um right until the that that, that friday night when the landslide was announced and suddenly they were like go the women of Ireland yeah. and it's like you're a bit late for, for that love That's it. you appear now when there's nothing to lose like you know there was so much of that going on yeah. you know yeah. no, as I say in Swedish nobody named nobody forgotten here so we leave the names out for now but there was an awful lot of that like you know people who sort of surf on and they jump on the, the bandwagon at the very end there. yeah at the last moment awful yeah. people altogether. I remember actually just before that I, tell you, I may have told you this before I was over there doing a piece with your good friend Tara Flynn uh, we were doing a piece for Swedish radio about it and uh, she was doing her her one woman show um oh god what was it called again she was brilliant anyway she, she just not basically a, not a something word yeah I know she's fabulous I was yeah, not, a, not a funny was word I think it was called not and, a funny word yeah and yeah. she tells the story of her own abortion that kind of thing but there was also another friend uh, my phone went off in the middle of it she nearly fucking killed me but um, there was another <laughs> girl who told me just about those simple stories that uh, and I was a very good friend of mine she came to me and I'd never known this and she was saying let me tell you a story about what happens like she got into a taxi in Liverpool when she went over to have hers and you know she was quite upset and she didn't even have to say anything oh. 
your man just drove her to the right place because yeah, that happened in the morning. He was nice. That, that size of a bag. But he was also very used to doing it for Irish women. When you come in and sit down and you talk to him, that was the only thing he needed to know, you know? Yeah. And um, can you remember the first time you came to Sweden? You know, because they're, yeah. they're not, you know, instantly going to sort of, you know, fly everybody in. So imagine they put the books out, but hang on a second. This young one is getting fairly popular here. When did they bring you over the first time? And did they treat you in the royal manner that you so richly deserve? I first came over um, in 1998 and it was the end of October. And I mean, you've no idea. I had, I mean, I had never been to any country kind of north of mine. And I, it was dark. It was a lot darker and colder. Um, And I stayed in this hotel in the Gamla Stan, which Oh, my God, it was so beautiful. It was tiny and it was up, you know, very narrow. And it was up about five, five flights of stairs. And they had put me in this little suite. So it was all kind of like Hanseatic style furniture, like a lot of curlicued stuff. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, everything was small and my husband was with me. Um, and I felt like I'd never been anywhere so beautiful. And then there was a little sitting room for me to do my um, my interviews in. And I don't know, there was gorgeous curtains. And, um, and it just felt incredibly far away from home in a beautiful, in a beautiful way. Um, I mean, it wasn't like, and I don't mean any criticism in, by this, but I wasn't picked up by limo and taken to the Grand Hotel. Which, is that the one in Stockholm on, oh, the, uh, on yeah. the water? Yeah. yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was low key, but I mean, that is sort of the Swedish way, isn't it? Yeah, like you it don't is, yeah. want to be, you don't want to be swanking around acting mm. like you think you're, you're special. No, I loved it. And then they took me to this restaurant. I don't know if it's still there. It was high up. You had to go up in an elevator. And then it was almost like, on a bridge. It was this yeah. very narrow one over the water. Do yeah. you know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think that's the one that's on Southern. I can't remember the name of it, but it's on the South yeah. Road. So it's actually looking back over Gamla Stan where you were staying there. Yeah. And yeah. it's beautiful like, altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I understood that it was a big deal to be taken there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember standing in a sort of yeah like kind of standing looking out at the harbour in the dark in the cold and just thinking god this is fabulous Mm. and you know I could see sort of from from the hotel bedroom I could see into other people's apartments yeah and I mean I just I just love the idea of people living in the city centre like at the time that wasn't really something that happened in Dublin, not kind of not around shopping streets and stuff. No, no. Um, it felt very, very exotic. I know it's a funny word to use about a place that's sometimes cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and the journalists were lovely. Um, Are you saying we're not lovely people normally? <laughs> not always, Philip. No, <laughs> and especially because I mean there was a lot that people resented about me. Like, and I understand now. You know. Now, I was this clueless idiot who had not spent her life trying to get published. I, you know, I had one lucky shot. It worked. And suddenly, you know, I was successful. And and a lot of people resented that. And I understand it. And I mean, they also, I mean, very much at the time, I mean, this was like 27 years ago. Like, I was writing books with pink covers. Mm. And there was so much 
opportunity to scorn me. Um, and and some people took that opportunity. Mm. And, and, you know, I get it. Like, but, I mean, the Swedish, I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, of course, is that, like, I can't speak Swedish, although sometimes I think I can, mm. um, just from all the shows I watch. So I have no idea what the lovely journalist went and actually wrote about me. Like, it could have been super scorn. Um, yeah, but, it wasn't. wasn't they all but, love you. But it, but it was seemed very kind of, I don't know, sweet. There was, yeah, you see, again, I think I find Swedish people very different to Irish people in that I either slightly more formal or a lot more shy. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, in Ireland, we talk incessantly. Mm. Um, reserve is not a thing that I understand, really. It, t- it takes me a while to kind of it took me a while to understand that they're not being standoffish and they're not being over formal. They're just, this is how it is. This is how the communication happens here. Yeah, they're Sweden. being polite. Yeah. They're being polite. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And they were, and they were calling me Mrs. Keys. And I was like, no, like A, that's <laughs> my mother's name. And, and, you know, and, and B, I'm Marion, like I'm, you know, but they're polite. Yeah. yeah much more polite. And like, like at business yokes, hmm. you know, on that first evening, I went to somebody, I was taken to somebody else's uh, book launch and everybody was there in sort of jackets and shirts and ties. I mean, I think that's relaxed a yeah. lot. I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah. You know, this was over 25 years ago, was it? 24 years ago. Hmm. You know, I think it's probably relaxed since. But I found it all um, so different. Yeah. Would be a lot different, I suppose, from Irish literary circles, you know, and that thing of people think that maybe there, there was more books that were more worthy than your books, and yet your books were the ones resonating with people. And there's always people out there who give out, right? I wouldn't listen to Westlife, you know, if you paid me, right? But I understand why people love them, and I understand what people get, and they're great at what they do, you know. And I'm not saying that your work is Westlife because it's a hell of a lot deeper than a lot of stuff that's going on there, and the joy it gives people, Marion. That's the fucking point of it, surely. That you know you're entertaining people and you're giving them something to talk about. So anybody looking and down on that needs a slap. Listen, before I don't uh, want to take no, up too. No, no, <laughs> no. Horses for courses, Philip. Of course, horses of course. for courses. You know, and I really feel for because there are so many geniuses who write really, really amazing yeah. books, and they're not even getting published. Never mind selling a few copies. And I understand their resentment, mm. um, but just because they're not having the look. It doesn't automatically make my books shite. No. It means there's sort of room for everyone, mm. it, you know. And uh, as I said before, I let you go. I need to hear a little bit of it. Like we, we'll we'll break the fourth wall here a little bit. We load it. Oh, Jesus! We keep going. So, um, is it possible to ask you what you're working on at the moment? Have you anything on the go now? Because I know you have another book just yeah. about to come out. But usually, the way publishing works so slowly that you're you, you're yeah. usually started the next day before the last thing is even in the shop. So, are you up to anything now? Yeah, I am. I mean. The thing is, I I would normally have started something before a book comes out. I didn't this time. There was, I did. There was a short gap between me finishing the book again. Rachel, um, I, I don't know. I forget what it's called in Swedish. Forgive me. Um, but um, yeah, I was all set to write a sort of a, a you know, an opus, you know, mm-hmm. about 
kind of six or seven people who've been friends for 40 years and mm. you know they started in squats in London and how it all played out and just because the world feels so incredibly pointy and terrifying mm. at the moment and I enjoyed the process so much of, of writing again Rachel I decided I'm going to write another I'm in the process of trying to write another sequel another of the Walsh sisters um, Anna yeah because it just it feels safe mm. and at the moment, you know, the world feels very unsafe. And in that, in the book, everything is sort of okay. And it's about, it's also about, because I always try to kind of link whatever I'm doing to, you know, contemporary women. Mm-hmm. It's about someone, a woman who's 49. She's on HRT, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about the fact that, you know, it's okay to kind of say menopausal now without people kind of screaming and flinging holy water at you, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's about the fact that, like, you know, we're not down and we're not out. Mm. Um, and I've been struggling with um, a, t- a title and I haven't even said it to my editor yet and she'll kill me. But I was thinking of old dog new tricks, you know, because it's like women in their late 40s and their 50s and their 60s. We're not owl hags to be consigned to live in the woods and, and put curses on people. You know, mm. like I still feel valid and mm. and. And. Oh, what's the word? Yeah, valid and yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of refusing to be invisible. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking, well, if I feel like this, other women yeah. do. So so Anna, Anna is the old dog who is learning new tricks. Yeah. There's uh there's a Facebook page that I joined there at six months ago. I don't, I don't know why. I grew up in Dublin, right? In the north side of Dublin. Have you mentioned the grove to anybody? Everybody knows who I it is, know. right? I know all about the Grove. Everybody does. Outsider, I never got to go, but I have friends who went. Yeah, there you go. And there's this page up there, and that's it. And but the thing is that now I'm in the sort of the aging process that you talk about, right? All of a sudden, you find yourself. We're playing Gaelic football in Stockholm tomorrow, and between you and me and the hundreds of people listening to this, it's probably the last time I'm going to do it, Marion, because I can't really do it anymore, right? But these are all things, that, and you mentioned the word I think you were looking for is relevant. You're relevant. You yeah, have the like, energy to still yes. say, you know. Yes. And that's really, you know, and if I would be really, really grateful to you. If you can write a book that guides me through that, I'll be fucking front row center thrown about away at Academy Book Canada as well. Do you find that, you know, when you talk to people about these things, because you don't sort of just get to decide, you have to go to an editor and you say, look, this is the way I'm thinking. Um, do you find that they're on the same timeline as you? Or do you find that they want different things to you when you're, you say, I want to write this book, I want to write that book? I've been really lucky, Philip. And that the same woman has edited me for the past 27 years. Tremendous. And one of the great, I mean, because most authors, you know, editors move on and they're under contract to the publishing house. Um, I've just been really lucky and I've been even more lucky in that she has always let me write whatever I've wanted to write. She has never come to me and said things like, you know, psychological thrillers, you know, domestic noir. That's really, you know... That's where the market is now. Why don't you buy? Why don't you write that? You know, she's never, ever done that to me. And I feel a kind of unusually lucky 
Mm. It, it helps maybe that she and I are almost exactly the same age. But then on the other hand, she's English and she is so posh, you know, <laughs> like she is so super posh. And uh, and she, she invites me for supper and things like that, you know. And, you know, but but I I love her, you know, um, and, and I, yeah, I'm lucky in that she doesn't try. I mean, I'm sure the marketing people would like to to steer me in different directions because, you know, like um, I stopped being published in the US, you know, like they didn't want my books anymore. And I mean, frankly, uh, it sort of make I mean, it makes some sense, you know, and that what I write about it really, really does not shine with what's going on in uh, in the States anyway, you know, yeah. and somebody did say to me, like, all that says there at the moment is crime. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. And maybe it was it was a kind of a little helpful hint. You know, if you want to be getting a contract, that's what you need to do. Yeah. But I'm I'm in my lane. I like my lane. You know, I'm staying in my lane. Um, So no, no, no changes. Yeah. I'm be writing about contemporary women uh, for as long as they let me. When you know the way when you send off the first or the second draft, right, and you sit there and the drops of blood have come out of your forehead and onto the page and they form the words, and you send it off, and she gets to read that then. And in my experience, editors are completely silent until such time as they send it back with all the red pen on it, right? Do you have that same sinking feeling every time you see that email arrive? God, I've had a look through this, and you feel like fuck, I'm back in school again. Yeah, completely. And like they, they've obviously learned this thing at management school where like they do like eight pages of, oh, my God, this is so great. I love this about it. I love that about it, you know, and then then the real stuff starts. And the gut punches come. Like. <laughs> yes, exactly. This character doesn't work. That has to go. The timeline is all weird here. I really don't think that's a good idea to include that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's horrific. Horrific. Yeah, and, and, and do you have to stand there and fight your corner there? Because like I'm sure the characters that you've been told that one doesn't work. That you know, you know this this particular this whole section can go. It's not bringing the story forward. And would yeah. you put your foot down then and go right? No, that's that's there for a reason. Well, I spend about three days and I rage. Like I literally, I rage around the house. Like I kick things, I slam doors, I scream at the top of my Good voice. If she knows so fucking much, why doesn't she just write the fucking book? Yeah, where are you know, all best sellers? Huh? Yeah, yeah, and then. You have to let it settle because, I mean, so much shame comes up for me, you know, when I think I've done that wrong. And, I, you know, and I've got to kind of let the, say, the shame get to a manageable kind of level. And mm. then I, you know, I see it's a process of negotiation. Like I never do 100 percent of what she asks. And there are some things that I will just say this has to stay, mm. that the book will not work without this person or, mm. you know, um, and she's she's pretty you know no she's good she's good mm. because i'm good also because i mean i want to write the best book i can possibly write and i mean that's what she wants as well you know like she wants it to sell mm. um so but no it's horrible yeah anyone who's ever been edited you know anyone you like everyone once you get the stuff back it's just it is like being back at school. It's immensely humiliating. Yeah, and it's impossible not to take it personally because this is the contents of your head, you know? Yeah. And you can go, you can try and be pragmatic and go, yeah, they're trying to make the best book. But they think I'm a fucking idiot and they've just yeah, said it they, in so many yeah, words kind of thing. Yeah, 
yes, they think I haven't a clue. Yeah. yeah. Or, the, or the other thing is when they say something that's so obvious and you go, yeah, well, I fucking knew that. You know, I know I never should have put oh, that yeah. in, but they Yeah. Exactly. God, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I should have known better. Um, again, I was just talking about breaking the fourth wall there, right? Because we had a little chat. We had the, the uh, we met up there at Mariatorias in that beautiful hotel because you were here during the summer. You had an old yeah. schnicky surprise visit to Stockholm, didn't you? Very low key. I, I, I did. I did not just Stockholm. But um, first of all, I have to tell you about the hotel I stayed in. Do it's, that. Is it pronounced the Rival Hotel or the Rival Hotel? They call the it Rival. Rival. When they say it in Swedish, Rival. they say Rival. Oh, yeah. Rival. Okay, Rival. Okay. So I stayed there first, I think, in I don't know, shortly after it opened in 2006. And everywhere I went, everyone, they found out where I was saying, they said, you do know that, is it Benny or Bengt, one of the lads anyway, from ABBA, owns it. Like, Every single person, every single person, every journalist, every every driver, everyone, you know, and um, the joke, although this might not be funny, but it was very, very funny because my husband was with me. So on the last day, I got back to the room and he was in the, in the hotel room and I burst in and I said, you'll never guess, I said. Benny from Ava owns this hotel. And then we said, Jesus, you think somebody would have told him? And um, so, yeah, but I, I love it. And I love the uh, the neighborhood that it's in. Is it Soderman? Soderman, yeah. Soderman, yeah. I think it's really, really lovely there. Um, so I've been there a few times, but I was in Sweden because I was going to a concert. I was going to uh, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. And you had to apply in advance for the tickets because, you know, they were oversubscribed. And you had to say three locations that you'd go to see them in. Um, so Sweden was was one option. And and so it was like our only option. Like you could go to to, to the Netherlands or maybe Germany. So we put Sweden three times, um, and we, and so we got the tickets, and it was just so gorgeous. So like we hired a car, we drove up to now the the name of the place is Dalhalla. Dalhalla, yeah. Dalhalla, very good, case, very good. Yeah, you see, because I only watch Swedish shows, you know. So like I I try to have the pronunciation, Brilliant. and. We stayed in this incredible place. It was like a little medieval village. And it was like a little low-ceilinged house. And there was all wood and embroidery and delicious curtains. But then there was also the blackout blinds because it was June, I think. Yeah. yeah. And the feckin' daylight, you know, going on until midnight. Yeah. And, and everything. And we went to the local town, which was Rottvik. Rottvik. Yeah. And I mean, the drive up was pure Wallander, Valender, Valender. Valender, yeah. I mean, okay. She's getting oh, there. She's on the roll. Yeah. Like, you know, with the red barns and the, the fields of rapeseed. And it just, I was in utter heaven. And then we stopped at a petrol station and I had a licorice cornetto. And oh my God, it was the most <laughs> fabulous thing. And actually, another thing I love about Sweden, the picking. Mix the picnics everywhere, and Ireland we only get it in the cinema. Like I salute a country that has pick and mix in the petrol station. Um, we had such a beautiful time, and so we went along to to the, the Dalhalla place, and um, I have to say it was a bit of a shock. Um, I suddenly realised I was a boomer, you know, because I was surrounded by boomers, like Swedish, fabulous Swedish boomers, but boomers none. Boomers all the same. The same, yeah. Because obviously, you know, Robert Plant and everything, and you know, he's he's like, I don't know, late sixties, you know, or maybe yeah. seventy. Um, 
But it was so lovely. And also there was sort of aging Swedish rocker lads, you know, with long hair and leather and with their girls, their girls like in their double denim. And it was it was just indescribably lovely to be at this gig in Sweden, in this beautiful arena. Like anyone who hasn't been like it's it's like it's in an old quarry. Yeah. So, like, the water is still there. Like, it's still very beautiful. But there are proper seats and everything. Um, And then the best bit was the leaving. The, the, well, the good behavior. <laughs> Everybody filed out politely. There was no shoving. There was no pushing. There was no Irish rowdiness. There wasn't even any queue to get out, to get the cars out. Everything was so orderly. Like, so deliciously, politely, orderly. Like, honestly, well, I did, loved it so much. Did you go looking at houses in Retvik the next day going, come on, husband, we're moving to Sweden, yeah, that's it. we're moving, yeah. Come Licorice Cornettos for breakfast for yeah, the rest of the Like, <laughs> like if, even in Stockholm, like, we look at, we look at, you know, we look in, in windows and look at flats and think, and think, could we, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I mean, seeing as like I am almost fluent, I mean, like, There's everything I watch is Swedish. Like, that's are you watching Love and Anarchy? Oh, you know me, man. I'm terrible at watching the television. Like that's that's okay. why you like. Right. I got stranger things like that. Yeah, but like you've yeah. been into all of those things because that's the other side of writing. Question that I wanted to ask you is the kind of writing that you consume, and like I say, a lot of it. You went mad for that Nordic noir crack when it began. Like you're my expert on that when it comes to those things. Yeah. What is it that appeals to you about that kind of thing about Brune and and um, what was the one Borean and all these other things? There's lo- oh, you've seen all of them. Like I have, I have seen. All of them. Let me see. I mean, Wallander was the first one. I'm really sorry for mispronouncing it so much, so badly. And I mean, for me, it was the character of him. Mm. Like Christer Henriksen, I just think it is. I am so in love with him. You know, mm. he is just the most beautiful actor. And he just conveyed vulnerability and loneliness mm. in a way that really, really touched me. And I mean, just the fact that it was set in, um, but literally the sound of Swedish being spoken. Yeah. calms me it's like a load of b vitamins or, or xanax <laughs> on my nerves like it's just lovely lingual xanax and then what but lingual xanax what is <laughs> yeah lingual xanax. yeah um but then there's loads of other ones there there's another one called the truth will out and it actually stars a very famous swedish comedian in in a serious role and there's been two series of that and again it's the vulnerability i think it's it's seeing Swedish men kind of react against the template of manhood that they've been given, Mm. which, I mean, it seems to me that, I mean, like men everywhere, they're not encouraged to speak about their feelings. Um, Both of those touched me. And I mean, it sort of feels like a short visit to Sweden Mm. when I watch any of the shows Um, and, and love and anarchy, which I'm like, adoring at the moment is actually set in publishing in Sweden um, in the publishing industry and that it just it makes me feel connected yeah um, but I anything anything I will watch anything oh, I mean there's, there's millions more bonus yeah, no, there's families no... 
Yeah, no, oh, sorry, I was, just, I was just looking at, we keep interrupting each other now. I was just, just looking it up there. Robert Gustafsson is the com- uh, comedian that you mentioned there, right? Yeah. And, and the lovely thing, that um, the truth will out in, in Swedish is called Det som jums i snö, that which is hidden in snow, which is a lovely title altogether. Oh. Because when you yeah. hide things in snow, obviously they disappear for the winter, but then they appear again in the summer, which is a lovely yeah. little image, you know. So. Yeah. Yes, I've just thought of another one. Rebecca, Rebecca Martinson. It's set in the north, north, north of Sweden. Oh. And yeah, you see, anything, I love snow and I love the cold. Mm. Um, I can't do with heat. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, the climate is perfect for me in Sweden. There you perfect. go. Perfect. God, we've had a, quite a warm summer now, but during the winter here, I was actually, uh, last week, I was offered a chance to go to a football game inside the Arctic Circle. So it's up in this place <laughs> called Boda, up in northern Norway, right? And like I kind of felt spoiled because not only is it on one fjord, it's at the junction of two fjords, Marion. It's just like they spoiled me completely. And it was kind of like, have you been to Iceland? Have you? I have, it's, yeah. It's just, you know the way, on a, on a cold day in Iceland, everything is just so beautiful and so clear and so shiny. Yeah. And it was like that there as well, you know. And it's the kind of place where you just, you get off the plane and you just want to eat fish straight away because that's what the yeah. place looks like, you know. So it's Yeah, magical. that's another thing about Sweden. It's such a beautiful, unpopulated country. Mm. I don't think, I don't know if Swedish people realise how lucky they are in their nature. Mm. You know, the lakes, the clean lakes that you can swim in. Like in this part of the world, I mean, in the UK, I mean, the capers that are going on with, with I won't even talk about it because, but it is, yeah, the minute I land in Sweden, I feel like, oh my God, the clean air, the mm. clean water. Um the cleanness, the beauty, the forests, just all of it. And that prompts only one question. It's like, when are you coming back to see us again? I'm coming back really soon. I'm coming to Gothenburg at the end, around the 25th of September. Is that for the yeah, book I'm fair gonna... down there, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. And that's actually the first time now I think they're going to have a crowd at the Gothenburg Book Fair for oh, the first time the since the pandemic. Yeah. What are they asking you to do down there? Do you have to do your dog and pony show, do you? Yeah, but I love doing my dog and pony show. Oh, you're brilliant on it as well. I yeah. love watching that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing um an event in the English speaking bookshop one night, and then I'm doing two reader events um the following day. And like it is such an honor for me to come to Sweden and meet readers. Do you know? Like I live a long way away. I've lived a different life. Mm. And to feel like I've always I've always felt disconnected, but to feel that through my books. I'm connected with with people. It's just the most on. It's a huge honor, and and it, on a personal level, it means so much to me. So no, I adore me me me, me dog and pony show. I've, I've already been doing um interviews. I've done a tele interview already, uh, just in advance of it. Um, I'm dying to come. And I take it himself. The husband is coming over with you again, is he? Yeah, he comes what? nearly everywhere with me, except when Watford are playing important matches, because it's sort of weird. I got married and then almost immediately my career took off and I realized if I wanted to kind of, I don't know, have a proper career, I'd need to travel a lot. And I didn't want to be away from him when I just met him. Mm. So it kind of accidentally happened. He came, he gave up his job and he came for a couple of things. And then he took up the job of doing the, you know, the admin so, yeah, so he comes with me and I'm so glad because I know how lucky I am. And we 
like he loves Sweden as much as I do. And we both just have a really lovely time. Um, and I know it wouldn't be for everyone. I, I always have to say that I know people are absolutely delighted to escape from their husbands and fair play, you know. But for me and him, it works for us. Do, do you ever drive each other like, mad, though? Is there ever, you know, hopping things off in the hotel room or that kind of thing? Yeah, the odd time, especially at airports, especially at big airports, like where you have to do, where you have to change yeah. things. And you're thinking, which fucking terminal are going to be getting to? And, you know, and like going over here. And we know it said J, no, that was H. Yeah, yeah. Airports are very stressful places anyway. Yeah, and usually, I mean, yeah, God love him. Actually, it's his job to tell me what interviews I have to do on a particular day. And if something extra has come in that I haven't bargained on, and if I'm already feeling a bit wrecked, mm. I might. Now, I wouldn't throw anything at him, mm. but I might fire a hairbrush at the wall or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's very calm, you see. Thank he God. Is. He's very calm. It wouldn't uh, work if we were both like me. No, that's the thing. Like, I think he makes such a great pair, you know, because he's so relaxed and that kind of thing. And a fascinating character on his own. But Jesus, one of these days I get him on to talk to the Irish community in Sweden about the, the dark side of Marion Keys and his love of Sweden. Oh at some my point. God. Look, can I tell you, Philip, can I tell you what we say? You know, whenever I've been a little bitch, which, you know, <laughs> like happens. I am, you know, um, I say to him, oh, wait, you wait till you leave me and you write your tell-all story of my hell with Marion Keys, My hell is Marion Keys's husband. Yeah, so, I mean, that's to look forward to whenever he decides he's had enough. Yeah, I'm so any, any literary agents listening looking for that book can mail okay. philipatablana.se. I will represent <laughs> Tony for a very small fee altogether. So you're coming to the Gothenburg Book Fair. So that means yeah. that this episode is going to come out before then. Uh, I'll Lovely. find out the dates and the places that you're being there. And hopefully the yeah. people of the Irish community will turn out to shake your hand and to dodge the oh. odd hairbrush, but just to enjoy what you're yeah. doing down there. I'd love, like, I would love it so, so, so much. And are you coming to Stockholm then as well? No, you're, it's only Gothenburg no, this time. No, just Gothenburg, just Gothenburg this time. All yeah. right. Now, the one last yeah. question, because this is this is very relevant to Gothenburg. When you've been there before, have you ever eaten one of those big open-faced shrimp sandwiches down there? I don't think so. Right. I'll have a chat with the wife, right? And I'll see if we can come down there. And I'll just, oh that, that'll be God, my treat that for you. Right? So and we'll, we'll come over and do that. But uh, for now, I'm going to let you get back to work and uh, get to keep pumping those books out. And she will see Marion Keys at the Gothenburg Book Fair. But for now, Marion, as always, thanks so much for talking to me. Oh, thank you, Philip. I love you. And I hope that I get to see you and Maria in, in, in Gothenburg. You will indeed. Thanks love you too. You're bye a dope. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> How could you not love that woman? Seriously, how could you not love that woman? She's just amazing. She's such great crack and she's so open and she's so pleasant and friendly and that kind of thing. So if you have the chance, uh, go go down to the Gothenburg book, book Fair. If you're down there at all, if you're working down there, if you happen to be passing by, if you live in Gothenburg and, you know, I'm sure Adrian Kelly and, and Paul Curley and the lads, a bit of Rona Morgan might be able to nip down there. And um, if you heard the interview or if you enjoyed that interview just did there, 
I go down and, and tell her and say, look at the Age in the Irish and Sweden podcast. It was great all together because she just, ah, she's just so lovely and she deserved that kind of uh, love and affection. And go out there and buy her books. Uh, I think, again, Rachel was the last book to come out there and then there's another book coming out in the very near future of which you'll hear, uh, about which you will hear if you do go to the Gothenburg Book Fair. That's nearly it for this week. I honestly thought that uh, this was going to be a short episode that I was just uh, squeezing in before I went to America. And she's we're nearly up at the hour again, lads. But listen, I'm going to ask you for a favour, right? So... In the next few weeks, I'm going to be, this podcast is going to keep going, and then the Arrowman and Stockholm podcast is going to be coming back, because I've neglected that over the last couple of months during the summer, it was just too much going on, and then there's going to be another podcast, right, so here's the big secret, right, this is what I've been doing in America. I had, um, I'm over in America now, c- collecting a few bits and pieces for a new podcast that I'm going to start, because this podcast is um, obviously for the Irish community in Sweden, right, but I wanted to do something for the global Irish community, right, because there's about three and a half thousand of us here in Sweden, give or take, depending on how many data centres are being built at any one time, uh, but there's about 40 million of us worldwide, right, and it makes sense to me that there might be a sort of a bigger market there in terms of people who'd be willing to support the podcast for the community, but in order to be able to reach them i'm going to need your help right i'm going to need you for the next few weeks to share the posts on facebook or linkedin or the instagram stories or wherever you feel comfortable right um Again, as I said, like, you know, all of these things, I've often thought about, you know, doing, oh, will I put them behind the paywall? Will I put them only on Patreon? That kind of thing. And I just couldn't do that. It's just, you know, when I moved to Sweden in 1999, and, you know, for the first couple of years, I didn't have any money. And if somebody says to me, oh, yeah, there's this great podcast in Irish and Sweden, but, you know, you, you have to pay for it. Or a great podcast about the global Irish community, but you have to pay for it. It's like, that's fuck all use to me if I can't, if I don't have that kind of money, right? So I don't want to exclude anybody from this. But, and nobody has to pay for either lads if you contribute great if you don't that's fine too right but what i would ask is that if you're as you're listening here and you've enjoyed it and you've enjoyed past episodes there share it give it a little bit of a good word right when you hear about the new podcast when the first episode for the global irish community comes out as well share that as well especially among people like ourselves who live outside of ireland so if you know as i do you have friends in australia that you went to school with or a lad that you played football with who lives in dubai or, or that kind of thing share these things and that makes things an awful lot easier for me right because the more people we can reach the more likely it is that a few of them will be willing to throw a few bob in there and like i don't care if one percent of people uh, contribute to it. As long as we have enough listeners, that 1% might be enough contributing financially to make these things worthwhile. And as long as they can do that then, you know, I'll give it another year of working away here and trying to get these podcasts up and running, you know, and frankly, I can never see a time when I won't be doing these things. But it does help enormously if I don't have to worry about these things, right? So, yeah, as I say, share them, encourage other people to, to sign up for Patreon, that kind of thing. Sign up yourself if you can, you know, five a month, we're going off a long way. It might not be too much for you. You wouldn't even get inside the door of Espresso House here in Stockholm for that uh, but it'll make a big difference for me as I say if just one or five or ten percent of people can contribute that'll be absolutely brilliant and it will make me especially with the fucking price of electricity it costs to make these things now anyway that's enough I'll put away the begging ball for this week it'll be out again next week don't worry but if you have the chance share the old podcast um especially in, in professional groups or with Enterprise Ireland or if you know of any companies might be interested in sponsor all that kind of thing helps you know I will be back uh, chasing Carl Stein probably for next week's episode to find out he, how he has started his soft drinks empire. You know, he's going to be threatening Coca-Cola now soon enough. I'm sure if I don't get him, I'll have to grab somewhere, somebody else. But one way or another, there's going to be another Irish in Sweden podcast. And between now and then, I want you to look after yourself. I want you to look after one another. And she'll be back again next Monday morning at 7 o'clock. And we'll see who we've dug up to talk to. Good luck.